It's episode 34 of Auto Catch-Up, and boy, another week has just flown by. And uh, this week, you've just got me, Ash. Uh, Joel, unfortunately, can't make it this week, but that's not going to stop us from having any fun, is it? Um, this week, we've got some interesting things. We've got October VFAX um, that have come out, showing some good, strong recovery um, as we emerge further out of um, out of COVID and as states head out of lockdown, um, as well as the new Nissan Navara has been updated. The BRZ from Subaru has been teased ahead of its uh new reveal or its official reveal uh, next week on November 18, um, as well as a couple of recalls and, um, of course, uh, an exciting new engine from Ford. But let's get into what I've been driving this week. This week, I've been driving the Toyota Land Cruiser Sahara. It is a 200 series, and I know that um, quite a few people are expecting uh, and anticipating the new 300 series that should be not too far away now, uh, but certainly something that I think um, will be greatly welcome, welcomed by a number of people. Uh, the 200 series has been around for quite a long time now and is slowly starting to show its age, but it def- definitely doesn't take away from the fact that the Sahara is a cruising beast. Uh, It has a a ton of features to keep everybody uh, occupied, comfortable, and happy, as well as um, just some things you don't find in other cars, which you just go, wow, yeah, (laughs) that makes perfect sense in this climate. So let's get started on the outside. So outside, um, you've got the, you know, typical sort of Land Cruiser setup. Um, You've got LED headlights, uh, alloy wheels, and pretty much that's it. You've got you know your safety gear, your your cameras, and um, active cruise control. But um, in terms of you know styling, nothing much separates between the GXL and the Sahara, so they're a bit harder to to tell apart. And this does have the turbo uh, V8 diesel, uh, which we don't expect to be making a comeback in the 300 series versus the 200 series. And um, but yeah, it still delivers a ton of torque, a great amount of torque. Um, it's not the fastest thing, but certainly once you attach some weight on the back with its uh, three and a half ton towing capacity, um, you're definitely going to have no dramas there. With um, with the inside, it is a, a leather seat affair for all eight occupants. You can fit a ton of people in there. It's um, if you've got a big family, if you've got people that needs to be separated, this is a great car to have up front you've got heated and cooled seats um, which work really really well and also there's an auto mode um, which i've found so far this week i haven't really used at all it's just either heated or cooled and um, sometimes jumping in between as the weather has been a little bit wild again this week with up here in queensland with some hot some cold and uh, everything in between Um, moving back you've got um, heated seats in the middle row, the second row for for the three occupants there, as well as um, this does have four zone air conditioning. So you've got two zones at the front and then two zones for the back, uh, left hand, right hand sides, and um, you have a, a great amount of control if you want it to go through the roof, through the front, or through the floor, or all three, or or set it on auto, um, as well as you have full temperature control and fan control as well. Um, the roof vents probably make the biggest difference out of everything. Um, it keeps everything cool. Uh, we've had some really hot days this week and 
it just makes the biggest difference. It just, yeah, makes things really comfortable. And um, you do also have in the back uh, two video screens, which you can use to, to play DVDs. Um, you can use a 3.5 mil uh, video cable. Um, if you want to connect, a, I don't know what you really connect through that these days, but um, you could use an iPod if you want through that. Um, or probably what most people will do is also a HDMI cable. So if you have, um, you can connect a, a Nintendo Switch, you can connect a mobile phone if you've got a, a video out cable, um, whether it's like the Lightning uh, Digital AV adapter for the iPhone or an iPad or even a USB-C to HDMI adapter for um, pretty much most other phones. And that's, that's really handy because then you can play YouTube videos, you can play um, movies that are stored on your phone. Um, most app just depends on the app that you're using and because um, some don't like outputting it to a display. Uh, but there's also wireless uh, headphones available or um, what I actually quite like is that you can plug in your own headphones uh, into the headphone jack as well. So if you can go the wireless route or you can plug in your own if you've got a better set of headphones. Um, everybody can choose their own uh, volume as well as uh, you don't have to have both screens playing the same thing. You can have one using the HDMI and the other one using a Blu-ray or something like that. Um, but it just gives options. It's not the highest resolution screen that you have, but it is... Um, you know, it is good enough for what it is, uh, but it would be nice to see a higher resolution uh, display in the back. It is a decent size, but um, yeah, just a slightly higher res would be nice. Um, probably the biggest uh, thing that I've really loved about this car, however, isn't the drive, isn't the, um, the comfort or anything like that. It's all about a feature that has been in the Sahara for the since the very first 60 series Sahara, and that is the fridge. So in the center console, rather than a storage area, well, you can use it as a storage area, but you have um, a fridge, a fridge that you can, um, you know, place water bottles, drinks, uh, snacks, and it will keep it cold. Not just like, oh, here's a little bit of air conditioning, but it really gets cold cold uh so it is just fantastic to have on long drives um it's great to keep some water in there it is insulated so it won't keep it super icy when you're not um you know running the engine or anything like that but man it has been dramatic in terms of how it changes things so we went did a drive out to um to mulaney and kenilworth today uh which is a few you know a few hundred kilometers away and um, we're able to buy some cheese and some chocolate and obviously our drinks and refreshments and just pop it in there. And, um, yeah, it kept everything cool, which is just fantastic and a feature that every car should have, uh, hands down, with no doubt included. Uh, one thing, though, that I – and it is really showing its age with the Sahara is just um, – is the tech. And this is why the 300 series is coming. Um, it doesn't have CarPlay. It doesn't have Android Auto. The maps are, you know, they're a little bit ugly. And um, whilst it still has decent enough uh, Bluetooth and it also has your digital radio and things like that. So that works really well. But it is just missing a couple of key features, which I think most people expect these days. 
and um, you know, it even it doesn't have, or I haven't been able to find any other settings anyway to activate like one touch indicator. So um, you know, when you indicate the stalk and it flashes three times, rather than having to push it all the way down and then click it off again, it doesn't have that. So you do. I, I noticed for probably the first half hour of driving that I was probably uh, changing lanes. A little bit rudely because I thought I was doing the one touch, and then I realized that it wasn't. It was only doing one blink and then not indicating. Um, so that's just uh, one thing. Particularly with pretty much every card does that now and has done for a little while. It is just something that uh, would be nice to see in there. Engine-wise, obviously drives great. Uh, fuel economy is around 12 to 13 liters when you're not towing anything. Uh, obviously, expect that to be a little bit higher when you are towing, and um, but it certainly is something that. Um, for what it is, um, I think it's perfectly acceptable. The um, what was I going to say? The fuel tanks. Uh, it is quite large. Um, you know, I did a top up with about 100 kilometers of range left, and I filled up 112 liters. It is a big tank, and um, it does take a while. So you will have to um, train up your hand to hold the the, the fuel pump because uh, it can take a, a good solid five to six minutes to even just fill up the, the, the tank from uh, from empty. Or even if you can find a high flow uh, diesel pump, that's probably your best bet. Uh, but I have, it, I have it for one more week. I'm looking forward to, we had a little bit of rain today, but looking forward to taking it off-road next. Um, it does have a few more features um, when it comes to off-roading. Obviously, the Land Cruiser has a strong history in off-roading and um, it would be great to test that out a little bit more. The the off road settings aren't as comprehensive as say uh, the the Mitsubishi Triton that we had a number of weeks ago, where there's um, a ton of dedicated settings depending on the, the terrain you're crawling over. However, it does have crawl functions, high, low gearbox, and um, a few couple of customization features there. Um, and talking to a few other people, a lot of people. Um, have have said that look i'm not really that fussed on the specific terrain options i just want to whack it into fall low and um you know manage it myself and and that's perfectly fine um but having that crawl feature there is great and um perhaps having those driving modes in the other vehicles just help manage the the traction control holding on to gears and, and things like that uh, a little bit better but I'll get back to you again next week when I cover that and have a little bit more of a chance to enjoy that. Um, okay, so I'm going to leave motorsport news just for this week because it really, well, not that I've seen <laughs> too much has happened, um, but I'd love to have Joel back on to, to talk through that. Um, so hold out till next week uh, when Joel comes back and we can talk through those. But let's jump into some local news. So uh, the national sales figures for last month came out um, not too long ago and it's it's had a a nice resurgence I think um, or at least the FCAI have um, you know have been quite enjoying the the sales figures so um, compared to October 2019 um, sales figures were just 1.5% below those results um, pointing out obviously you know compared to Victoria's lockdown which is only just um, receding right now. Um, but yes, yeah, so there was a, a down 1.5% of sales of 82,456. 
Um, so they sold 881,220 cars, um, which is actually a pretty, seems like a pretty good solid result for things have which have been happening. Uh, but let's get into the things that uh, people probably care about. So the top selling brand for this year to date, including October, is Toyota, followed by Mazda um, in a significant deficit. So Toyota is sitting at 158,127 vehicles this year with Mazda's 68,031. Hyundai comes in behind it um, in third place. Ford in fourth, Mitsubishi in fifth, Kia, Volkswagen, Nissan, Subaru, and then Honda um, coming in 10th at 23,910 vehicles sold. Obviously, all of these have, um, you know, copped a bit of a, a, a belting this this year. Um, but let's have a look at the top 10 vehicles for the month. So probably coming to no surprise of anyone, uh, the Toyota Hilux was on top uh, with just over 4,400 vehicles. Uh, 4,200 vehicles, Ford Ranger, the Toyota RAV4, Toyota Land Cruiser at 2,500. Uh, the, the, the Prado came in behind that, then the Toyota Corolla. So talk about a dominating performance by Toyota, to, Toyota in the top 10 vehicles for the month. Um, and then the Isuzu D-Max. So with the updated uh, Dual Cab Ute, they've managed to break in at uh, six spot, or was it seven spot? Yeah, seventh spot on the leaderboard, which is a pretty solid result, and I'm sure the team at Azuzu are going to be impressed with that. Uh, Mazda CX-5, Hyundai Tucson, and then wrapping out the top 10 was the Kia Cerato. Um, so yeah, it, it and, and when breaking down in just the the per you know the sales figures for this month. Um, Toyota have an astonishing lead, and, and obviously it makes sense when uh, Toyota are dominating the top 10 sales. So this month, uh, 19,500, 19, Mazda at 7,500, Hyundai at 5,900, Ford 5,700, Kia 5,300, Mitsubishi 4,500, uh, Nissan at 3,500, uh, Volkswagen at 3,100, Subaru at 2,900, and Mercedes-Benz um, at 2,200. Um, interestingly, seeing Mazda, uh, sorry, uh, Mercedes-Benz there, um, BMW is not too far behind, but still, you know, a decent number at 1,800. Um, and then uh, MG isn't actually too far away. They beat out Audi and uh, they weren't too far away from beating out BMW. So it shows the growth for the MG brand overall in, in how that, um, you know, I think any time that they can overtake a fairly large brand of well-established, even if they're not directly competing against each other, I think it's a great sign of um, uh, the con- confidence in in the brand. Um, but... If we look at the other end of the sales figures, so um, Alpine sold no vehicles, Rolls-Royce sold three, um, four Lotus, four Genesis, which I think will change quite a bit now that we have the the GV70, the GV80, the G80 and G70 all coming through. The GV80 will be hopefully in uh, as well as the G80 very soon. So the SUV and the sedan, uh, we're just waiting to lock in dates with those to do a review. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Bentley sold for five McLarens, five Chryslers, six Aston Martins, um, 14 Lamborghinis. Jeez, that's a decent number. Um, 
Let's scroll through here. Alfa Romeo at 75. Holden sold 165 vehicles. So that's the slow drip of uh, the remaining vehicles that are left. Porsche sold 341. Ram at 293. And uh, Renault at 793. So not a bad showing overall. And um, yeah, we'll have to spend a little bit more time diving into those numbers and uh, seeing what else we can extrapolate. But let's jump into some of these next pieces of news. So we've got the Nissan Navara has been updated and um, some of the styling, I think it looks really good. If you're a fan of uh, of American trucks, you're going to love this. Uh, so a lot of the styling has been borrowed from the Nissan Titan. Um, so it has a big grille uh, by LED headlights, which are basically in a big C-shape for the daytime running lights. And um, yeah, so sheet metal wise there's a few updates particularly focused on that front end um the internals of the tub are exactly the same nothing has changed there and um yeah there's just some very minor things with um the fenders on the tub the tailgate uh wheel arch flares and the tail lights so minor but good updates uh so they're also bringing in the new Navara Pro 4X, um, which is replacing the Navara Ntrek. So I guess it's to align it more with the global name, which is fair enough. Um, but it's just a shame that they put some effort into the Ntrek name and then they're going to be replacing it. Um, but the Pro 4X uh, gains a heavy-duty sports bar, um, which will be able to, rather than just a <laughs> chrome, chrome bars being for show, um, they should have a little bit of uh, a little bit of utility, um, but probably not as strong as the Hilux Rugged X. So um, it's rated to handle 75 kilos and 200 kilos of tie down. Um, so the Warrior uh, variant, which is developer, you know, which is built locally uh, using parts that when it comes in as a as a pro or as an N-Track previously, but when it comes in as a pro forex, those things are going to be added on and continued, um, but we don't have any more details at the moment. Engine-wise, there's nothing really much has changed. Um, the twin-turbo 2.3-litre four-cylinder diesel remains the same, six-speed manual, seven-speed auto. Um, towing capacity remains the same at 3,500 kilos, and... Um, which is basically uh, limited to the Tobol size as well. Um, Tailgate, nice little addition. We'll have a spring-loaded to make it just easier to close. Um, it'd be great to see a gas strut on it, just like the Mitsubishi Trident. That just makes a huge difference on A, safety, but also just ease of opening and closing. Just uh, I'm not sure why more people don't implement that. Um, interior wise the steering wheel pretty much stays the same I, I'm not seeing anything too too drastic uh, there are some new safety features added such as autonomous emergency braking for clash um, and uh, yeah you can when you look at the photos you can see the big uh, rectangle sort of uh, sensor on the front 
On the top end, um, you will have 360-degree cameras um, as well as top-end models are probably going to have, um, I think it's just top-end models, but it could be all of them, individual tire pressure monitors as well. So I think this is a fairly solid update. The car is, you know, had been getting long in tooth and just sort of keeping the same things. Uh, it's not a huge update, but certainly a welcomed um, progression forward. And I'm I'm a huge fan of the exterior. It's um it's going to be something that I think will capture the attention of a lot of people, uh, particularly in that Pro Forex uh, styling where it just looks a little bit tougher with the black and red that's been used. So that's that's cool. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I'd like to to test that engine a little bit more just to see how it performs. Now, new Subaru BRZ, the um, or you know, as you know, the Toyota eighty six um, uh, sister car cousin. I'm not sure really how to say it, but basically the vehicle joint developed by Toyota and Subaru. And um, so we'll know that the teasing, well, the teasing has continued, but we know that the official reveal will be happening on November 18. So stay tuned for that. We'll be able to talk through everything that is uh, happening, what's new as that gets revealed. Um, but I think uh, it's it's going to be nothing too drastic from what we've already seen so far. However, on this uh, on this image that they've released of the front, um, sort of headlight area. It does. If you want, if you want some inspiration, it looks a little bit like a Porsche Panamera, a little bit. And I mean, you know, don't, not exactly, but it looks close to that. If you were to, you know, have a random look at it, so check that out. Okay, Lucid, uh, Lucid Motors, the uh, or Lucid Air is a they're you know electric vehicle company they're building essentially they're taking on tesla and building electric vehicles with long range lots of tech forward thinking design and um what will be what is interesting is that um it seems that there's perhaps taking pre-orders for australia um and uh but don't expect to get your car anytime soon if you do put down a 400 dollar um deposit as um, first deliveries won't be happening until 2022. And it's not really, um, uh, it hasn't been revealed whether the Australian variant or the right-hand drive version of the car will be available in 2022, or if you might have to, you know, wait a little bit longer uh, until until that happens. Um, but model variants sort of start from about $108,000, uh, then factor in your taxes and any um, variances in our uh, uh, foreign exchange so yeah it's um it, it it's a it's a great looking car but i just don't know if i'd be racing forward to putting a credit down um or a deposit down right now um particularly with uh companies like these it's you know it, it's great to support these companies but it's um not always sure if these are gonna get to um get to market hopefully they do um, hopefully they don't end the way of a few other companies, but um, you know this this model seems to be a fairly strong contender against the Tesla Model S, 
um, based on specs that have come out so far. So it's about the size of a Holden Commodore um, and a single electric motor on the back uh, develops about 358 kilowatts of power. So that's pretty decent, um, as well as a range of 653 kilometers um, with a 75 kilowatt hour battery pack. Um, base model comes with leather seats, level two on, level two on autonomous driving um, and 19 inch alloy wheels. Um, there is a massive 34-inch digital instrument display that goes across the front. Um, it's quite quite stunning. Um, as well as, you know, you can step up into uh, your more expensive models with 462 kilowatts, 653 kilometers of range, bigger alloy wheels, um, and you can sort of go all the way to the top. If there's a there's a, a limited run Lucid Air Dream Edition that starts about two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars and um, gives you eight hundred and five kilowatts of power, and um, yeah, it just tends it up all the way to twenty. And um, but yeah, I really hope uh, that at least uh, you know these guys as well as a number of different companies are able to get their products out to market because it's great to have competition. It's great to have new car makers as well, um, you know, rather than just the the traditional models that we get to choose from and really pushing forward, um, you know, the, the design and, and technology aspect of electric cars because that's where the battleground is right now. And, um, yeah, it's uh, another thing to wait and see. We'll, uh, we'll have to see a little bit more as things progress. But if there's any updates on those, on those orders, we'll uh, let you know. Okay, so this one is just a quick recall. Uh, so the Audi A1, A3, and TT um, has been recalled due to a gearbox fault. So if there's a, a pressure accumulator in the seven-speed dual box, uh, seven-speed dual clutch gearbox of three models could crack, and according, uh, according to Audi. Uh, so this is affecting people with cars, which model years between 2011 and 2013, and um, so they're saying that sales took of the of those took place between February 2011 and September 2012. Um, so it's launched, and you can check if you're part of it by jumping onto the ACCC website, looking up the the um, recall notice, and or just simply contact your local uh, dealer to see if you're a part of it. Um, they're saying that there's 2,783 cars involved. And, um, yeah, I'd definitely be jumping on that before you... Um, if you own one of these cars, jump on it and get that sorted. Uh, no new ANCAP ratings this week. Uh, we already covered the BT50, Audi Q7, and Ford Escape. All of them got uh, five stars. And on... Bring a trailer this week. I've there's some really crazy uh, things available. So um, one which I'm pretty sure would have been on the honourable mentions list for a lot of us was uh, the 1943 M4A1 Sherman. If that doesn't uh, ring any bells, it is a tank built. Uh, and not just a tank, but I mean like a literal tank. Um, it's got a propane fired uh, 50 cal. Uh, machine gun, a 30 cal machine gun on the front hull. Um, they are a replica though. Obviously, this is a demilitarized version. Um, it's got the 75 mil uh, front camera, uh, front cannon gun, 
Um, but yeah, this is a, a pretty spectacular thing to, to to have part of your collection if you've got space or the inkling to, to want a tank. Um, and at the moment, it's on a whopping $250,000 bid. Uh, but looking at else at what's around... Um, This is a probably I think a, a an awesome car to have just a, a GT cruising car. So its current bid is at twenty eight thousand uh, dollars. It ends in two days, and it is a two thousand eight Mercedes Benz SL sixty five AMG. Uh, it's got thirty four thousand miles. It's a twin turbocharged six liter V twelve. That's right, V twelve, uh, the most expensive registration uh, option you can tick on. In your state, doesn't really matter. It's going to be the most expensive, um, and certainly a hell of a car for the price. I don't expect repairs to be cheap, but um, I think if you're, you know, if you appreciate a good, good cruiser, this is probably a good one for you. And it is a convertible, so um, you can really enjoy those those good weather days if you live in a place that suits. But okay, I, I won't keep you around too long uh, because, you know, we do miss having uh, Joel or Mick to, to have a chat with this week. So um, I will cover off a couple of key, key pieces uh, from around the world. So first one is the SSC um, and their previous attempt of setting a new uh, fastest land speed record for a production car um, will be rerun um, simply because of the the mounting pressure from uh, particularly YouTube personalities uh, starting off with the Shmi 150 and um, uh, a number of other prominent YouTubers which have really broken down the video that's been uh, posted online by SSC and Challenging. I'm not, I'm not going to say proving, but but challenging the claim of the top speed of which they reached, which was over 500 kilometers per hour, which is just an insane number. So SSC will be going and rerunning their test, and obviously probably bringing a little bit more um, more methods of verification and probably third party support to ensure that those claims are. Uh, legit, and um, yeah, it's going to be a if, if if they can can do it with the evidence. I think it's going to be a, a remarkable achievement. Um, it's not easy building a car this fast, and it's certainly um, you know. I'm sure if it is legitimate, these guys you know who built the car and and did the record would be absolutely. Um, will feel great to to finally prove that you know what they're able to achieve again, um, following the the pressure and obviously the, the extra scrutiny. And um, I think it's a great way to to challenge and um, push them further, and obviously to make sure the claims are real. Um, it's something basically you know it's it's going a little bit further than what you know what we try to do here. And um, even you know, down with things like fuel economy, and, and there's one thing to have the the claim fuel economy, but it's another to actually have um, a real world fuel economy figure because the two definitely are not related. Um, even though I think uh, there should be more things done to make sure that that fuel economy figure that you see on the sticker on the window when you're shopping for a car 
is more relevant because it certainly doesn't seem uh, in this in the same reality that we're based in. So that would be a great thing to see. Uh, next one, uh, the Rimac um, brand will be. Uh, they're, they're a Croatian hypercar manufacturer, if you're not familiar with them, and um, they're building um, some of the best sort of really exciting-looking uh, electric vehicles. And um, so they're building 150 of what they call the Velkia Veliko, um, and I'm not going to say pronouncing the next bit. So that's the new factory which they're building at that new um, factory, the Rimic, Rimac C2. Um, which was revealed on the 2018 Geneva Motor Show. Um, there's, it, it's got a, a monstrous amount of power. So you're talking 1,408 kilowatts um, from four permanent magnet synchronous electric motors. Um, so basically there's one at each wheel and uh, they're claiming a top speed of 415 kilometers per hour, zero to, zero to 60 miles per hour in 1.85 seconds and um, 647 kilometers of range with their 120 kilowatt hour battery. So um, it's not even a, a tiny little battery that you can't go anywhere. That's a solid, you know, that's a solid day of driving if you, if you want to do it at all in one day. Um, but what they're doing is that they're actually going to be building 13 prototypes um, and five pre-production examples of that car um, to basically destroy 11 of them um, to put them through the safety safety um, analysis. So they start with computer uh, simulations before the you know they started the test program, and then you know they. Uh, they crash them to to ensure that they not only meet the simulations, but to to show improve um, their safety capability, which is something that not a lot of um, car makers actually do. Car makers aren't so in Australia. Car makers aren't required to submit their vehicles for. Uh, safety crate, you know, sa- uh, crash safety ratings for like such as AMCAP. And um, so ANCAP relies on, on funding, which they get to be able to, if, if the cars aren't given to them or voluntarily given, they go out and actually purchase a vehicle and then do the crash testing on that. So that can be quite expensive depending on the car. Um, and that's how we get our ANCAP ratings. And, you know, so as well as, you know, borrowing things such as Euro ANCAP uh, over in Europe, where we can sort of um, borrow those, those results that they do testing in Europe and because um, we use a similar system over here. And, uh, yeah, so that's – that's. I think it shows a lot of confidence, but, you know, from, from a company like this, um, Ferrari don't do it. And, um, you know, we see a lot more Ferraris out on the road here in Australia compared to, to obviously what we'll see of the Rimac. And, um, but I think that's a fantastic uh, thing for them to, to achieve. But probably the most exciting piece of news out of this week before I um, wrap this episode up is, and and <laughs> I saw some funny social media posts talking about um, about this. But so Ford are developing a monstrous 6.8 liter engine uh, for the Ford Mustang and the F150 pickup truck. So it's a brand new big block engine, and um, basically, yeah, it's a uh, much to the angst 
and eye rolling of um, uh, environmentalists everywhere. Um, you know, this is going to be a, a you know obviously used for um, their their feature vehicles. Um, you know, the 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 halo cars, I'd imagine. Um, well, not even just halo cars, but General Motors. You know, oh, not General Motors, but but vehicles that utilize a similar um, power plant. So they have, you know, built things such as a seven point three liter pushrod V eight. Um, you know, which is basically used as an option in uh, Super Duty vehicles in the F series, um, as well as you know, sort of the, the towing variants and things like that. So even though they're developing this new new engine. Um, this is kind of one of those things that, yes, people are kind of upset that a new engine is being developed and there's not more focusing on um, electric, but these things take time. And Ford are building, you know, they've got, they're building the, the electric Mach-E. They're, they are committing to building a, an electric F-150 in a totally new plant. But there are customers out there and obviously there's still a transition period to happen. And, um, you know, so there are things such as a, a rumored F-150 Raptor that will have 567 kilowatts of power. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that was basically going to be borrowed from the, a 5.2 litre V8, but that's probably going to be out of this new one now. Um, even though technically they haven't officially confirmed this engine, but... You know, this was this was mentioned like four times in a half-hour press conference from a um, uh, auto workers union. So I wouldn't be surprised if this being true. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know, if if internal combustion's dying, well, this is a great thing to have as to say, you know, thank you, farewell. Um, let's go out with a big bang. Well, not maybe the engine block. We don't want to have a big bang, but essentially celebration of what um, internal combustion engines are. And I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, car makers sort of spending time on EVs and V8s. Ford's a big company. Ford needs to to be diverse, and you know they have been leading way with their EcoBoost engines. They've been doing quite well. And we see those types of engines in the Mustang, such as the the four cylinder engines. So yeah. That's, uh, let me know. Let me know what you think of them building a, a, a new V8 engine like this. Uh, be curious to see what you guys think, the ones who are listening. Um, but I think let's wrap it up there. We're going to keep it short this week. Um, and then once we have the panel back on, we can you know dive into a little bit more of a conversation rather than just uh, listing off the news in case you, know, you haven't been able to check things out on your way to work or you know as you work in the car, wash the car or anything like that. Um, but if you do have any questions, you can always send us an email, shows at dailyautofix.com um, or reach out to us via social media at Daily Autofix. Um, but, but from there, um, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or um, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, but until then, I'm Ash and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, see you later.